0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of MAD Sports Network. My name is Gav Mac and I'm joined by Jordan Jarrett Bryan. How are you, bro? I'm good, my brother. I'm good. How are you? Very, very well. Now, if you don't know who Jordan is, then where the hell have you been? The guy is on channel four, is on Talk Sport. I've even seen his face on Sky Sports. I heard him on podcast galore. He's everywhere. Man, how do you how do you fit all this time in? <laughs> You know
1: what? I I I don't know. I don't know is the <laughs> honest answer to that. But I, I seem to find a way to get it to get it done. I'm um um I'm, I I'm, got a big mouth and I have got a lot to say, so I try to channel my big mouth in the best way that pays my rent, <laughs> so people will pay yeah. me to give my views and <laughs> opinions. But I also love it. I enjoy it. So if you enjoy something a lot, you know what I mean. You you, you find the time for it. But no, it's it, it's I'm getting grayer and grayer by the hour, sort of things. So. But it's all good.
0: So good. Bro, I understand the the, the grey stuff and the fact that barber's in open at the moment as well. So I'm rocking the hat. <laughs> that is that is a bit of me right now. I haven't had a trim since November. At the time of recording, this is what mid March. Mm. So phew, it's been a long time, long time. But Boris is opening the door soon. So couple uh, of couple yeah. few more weeks, and we'll, we'll we'll be there. We'll be there. Just got to hold out. So. Jordan, it's been it's, it's absolute pleasure to to have you on on my platform, and you know, ah, my it's, pleasure, it's an Honor really is, and um, we're going to be talking about a few different things. I want to I want to touch on you know your career in the media, how you got involved in it. Um, understand that you also have a sporting background as a player in a particular sport, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about that in a bit. Unfortunately, we're both Arsenal fans. So yes, we're gonna have to have a quick chat about that and see what's good with those as well. And also want to touch on, you know, some challenges, um, race, um, advice for for young people and um, black people as well in particular, and your inspirations. So first off, I want to know what inspired you to get involved in the media? And is it something that you're always wanting to do?
1: I think it was. I think it was, you know. Um, I always, when I was young, I was always into sports, always loved watching sports, loved playing sports at school, uh, like primary school. So I've always been interested in sport. Um, so I knew from early that sport was a passion of mine. Um, I recognized that I wanted to get into media and journalism re- yeah, relatively early. I would say from about uh, middle of secondary school, I realized yeah, yeah. that I enjoyed writing. I enjoyed English as apart from probably PE, English is my favorite subject. I enjoyed nice. creative writing. Um, I was the only one of my friends that um, would would be outside English classes early. They were bunking, checking jalan, you know what I mean Got in, in the chicken <laughs> shop. Whereas I was I was actually really looking forward to to our English lessons, and that's kind of when I realized I really enjoy writing. Um, and then I also had in the last two years at secondary school, I had a camera, I had like a video camera. I just around school, just filming stuff, nothing, nothing scripted. I just, just had a camera filming stuff and people were said to me then like, yeah, this is the video guy, the video guy. And I guess it kind of became clear then <laughs> that I had interest in media. Do you know what I mean? I didn't know what I was doing. I just had a camera that my dad gave to me. Um, but then it became quite clear I wanted to get into media. Media was the kind of outlet that I wanted to pursue. Um, Mm. I saw the power of media earlier on as well, do you know what I mean? Having a voice, having a message, telling stories. Um, I mean, yeah, so in answer to your question, yeah, I I knew from early that I wanted to get into into media and I
0: kind of just stuck on that path. Yeah. Do you feel that your school supported you with that? Because I know like when you were doing your creative writing and things like that, because, I know this interview is about you, but I'm going to talk about me for a sec. Because I, I, when I was younger, I wanted to be an accountant. Mm-hmm. And in my school, we had two methods of learning. You had uh, academic or you had work-related. And it was always the naughty kids that got to do the work-related stuff. But you were able to go to college one day a week. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to go to college one day a week to do accountancy. But I didn't feel like I got the support from my school. So when you were learning your art with creative writing? Do you feel that you're, you had that support structure there?
1: At school, no. I don't think I just, I mean, I wasn't discouraged. I mean, essentially, I guess school is there to just kind of instill the basics. Anything mm-hmm. beyond in terms of what your career path's gonna be, I think you're lucky if you kind of go to a school where that kind of pathway is mapped out for you as well um but essentially i wouldn't say there was any kind of over obvious examples of um my school encouraging it i mean they didn't discourage it Um, yeah and and secondary school i think their job is just just get the grades get the grades and then we'll worry about your career (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. Um, (laughs) so so no i don't i don't think it was overly encouraged it wasn't until i So I was in my last two years of secondary school where I found a magazine in Britain. It was a youth magazine called Live. And the whole Mm. idea of the magazine was that it was produced by young people, for young people about new culture. And that's when I kind of got encouraged into writing more. And, you know, I learned about the craft of um, creating Um, articles and headlines and how to start an Mm. article, how to end an article, how to get interviews, how to network, all that sort of stuff. So it it was at that point a live magazine that the kind of encouraging of becoming a writer and a journalist really then kind of kicked in. But at Mm. at, at school, no, at school it was just just more about just get the grades. I didn't get the grades, but their their main, um, I suppose, incentive and drive for their students it wasn't so much to care about what you do when you leave school it was just let's just get you the best grades we can get you so when you do leave school you have options do you oh, know option, what i mean yeah so yeah 100 yeah did you enjoy school did i what sorry did you enjoy school i did you know i did and that's probably half the problem <laughs> I, that's probably why i didn't do so well because i enjoyed school um the school i went to in south london wasn't the best in terms of um this academic output but here's the thing although our school was was kind of on the league table regionally one of the, one of the worst ones i always feel that it's wrong to blame the school for your lack of um success within that school that yeah. I, I i do you know what i mean at the time you think yeah no, yeah it's rubbish school that. it's their fault it's their fault but I, I think there's even at that age, there's a level of self-responsibility that I think even as a 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old, you have to have that ensures that uh, you do the best that you can do. And look, there were plenty of people in my year that, that came out of school, came out with huge grades, A's and B's. Yeah. So the school couldn't have been that bad. And what mm-hmm. makes it even worse is that these are people, not, I clocked it when we, got our, when, I moved, when we got our GCSEs. These are some of the people that I look at and think, they're not smarter
0: than me. <laughs> you're not smart, yeah, yeah. You got A weren't an an really? even there, you didn't even turn up. Like, how it did was, you black
1: like that? <laughs> it was, yeah, and some of the ones that did turn up and did do the work, they still weren't smarter than me, but yet yeah, they got better grades. Why? Because it, it, hmm. it, it became clear to me that school is not about who's the smartest, or doing well at school is not about who's the smartest, doing well at school is about who works the hardest. So these yeah, kids yeah, yeah. that whether they were bunking or not, some of them came out of A's and B's and A stars, not because mm-hmm. they're intelligently, they're intellectually superior to me. They just did the work. Mm-hmm. I was out checking gal and I was out bunking and I wasn't leaving early. Not, I was not in the after school classes, whereas they yeah. were. So whilst I didn't do well at school, I take 100% and my school was not a good school. Mm. It was still good enough for me to come out with the grades befitting of my intellect do do, do you know what i mean so i I blame myself for
0: that yeah but then you you get older and you mature and you think instead of worrying about oh i wish i did this i wish i did that you just have to keep grafting don't you as far as i'm concerned you know like of um i've only recently discovered this sort of industry if you want to call it that in the last couple of years since I started to up top and very recently um, started MAD with my good friend Devo and I do wish that I did find it years ago and put the effort in before but if you live like that then you're just going to be left so far behind you have to just focus on the future and how you move forward don't you so and um, I look at I look at certain people in the industry and I don't feel jealous, you know, I feel inspired by them. So, um, you know, when e- even now, and you know, as you were coming through, who were your sort of like influences and who, who inspired you in the, in this industry?
1: Good question. Um, I didn't really have any kind of individuals that I was like, I want to be like him. He's a great writer. Mm. She's a great journalist. He's a great broadcaster. I don't. I don't. Can't think of anybody right now. I mean, I had good mentors. That's what yeah. I did have. I had really good mentors um, that were good to me and helped me and gave me good advice and gave me opportunities. Um, yeah. So I mentioned Life Magazine. My mentor then was the then editor of a magazine called Dazed and Confused. It was a uh-huh. lifestyle, music, fashion magazine. Excuse me. Um, that was global, it was a massive magazine, he was the editor of it. Um, and through working with him, Callum McGeoch, he he took me to events, he gave me work experience, he gave me a chance to write small articles, he taught me how to network. So I think more than having actual kind of role models, if you like, of people that who were in the industry that I was in, who I wanted to aspire to, I didn't really have any of those. I had more good mentors, were really yeah. examples of um, men and women that instilled a level of work ethic and, and like I say, it gave me opportunities. I think it's really mm-hmm. key when you're coming through that you are presented opportunities and more, more important than that, that you are prepared for those opportunities. And that's what people like Callum and Sam Coniff as my mentors did. Opportunities may come around a lot. They may not come around very often at all, but yeah. they will come at some point. What's important is that when they do come around, you're ready for it. You're prepared mm-hmm. for it do you know what i mean when when that magazine or newspaper offers you a chance to go to a game and cover a match and write a thousand words 1500 words on a on a game that game may be i did plenty of games for south london press that were low low lower league to, tooting the mitchum and hey Dul- don't, don't in.
0: they got a nice ground and so have dulwich hamlet as well I'm not <laughs> <both our> <clubs>. But then low, I used to referee. In my first game was down at Dulwich Hamlet, um, and it was um, is deal uh, Fisher, because Fisher played there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And they played against um, Deal Town. My first ever FA Cup game that I refereed, because I've been on the line loads of times. But the first time I ever refereed was down there, and I was like, "Oi!" Because I got pictures of like um, um, Alan Pardew and stuff all around the ground because <laughs> he, he came through at Dulwich. Yeah,
1: so, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'm not I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> from that area. I'm, I, I grew up. I'm from Brixton. I grew up in West Arledge. So uh, they're yeah. my local teams. But I'm making the point that no matter how low down the leagues, you get mm. a chance to do it. Make sure you're ready. Make sure you understand the protocols. Make sure you understand what is the story here. Make sure you understand how am I going to start this match report. So that's important. So mentors prepared me for when the opportunities mm-hmm. came, and they did come. And I think that I I did a good job in grabbing those
0: opportunities and making the most. Yeah. Of it. No, that's quality. That's quality. Um, I recently had an interview with BBC introducing. And it's the first opportunity I've ever had to like sort of put my face out there. Mm. And unfortunately, I didn't get the job. But if Mm -hmm. I'm honest, I wasn't expecting to get the job, if that makes sense. But that still left me, uh, that still sort of like filled me with a bit of disappointment Mm. as to, you know, what do I need to do to make sure I get myself out there a little bit more? Um, And, you know, there are lots of challenges that are in the way. So Mm. I want to know what sort of challenges you have faced over like in your career so I, I, I imagine that you didn't just like write that and then all of a sudden you started here and then all of a sudden no. you, you got that job you know there would have been unless you were incredibly lucky and if so like can you you put the lottery on for me <laughs> <laughs> um a good question i
1: guess one of them i could think of straight away was the lack of patience So Mm -hmm. at the time, because I knew that I was a good writer and I was very ambitious and very hungry, I wanted everything now. I wanted to write Mm -hmm. for him, her, them, them. I wanted to do stuff for them, them, them. I mean, when all those things don't come tomorrow, you start ah, getting a bit bit kind of agitated Mm -hmm. about it. When in hindsight, if I look at the last 10 years, just the last 10 years of my career, I've done so, so much. But when you're... 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 years old, you don't think of you, you, you're not thinking about the next 20 years, I'm not mm-hmm. even gonna be 40. So there's no yeah. rush. There's no rush. Just do the work. So I think one of the biggest challenges I had was just learning to be patient and just mm-hmm. doing the work. Doing the work. Learn your craft, improve your contact books, improve your Sentence structure, improve your style as a writer, improve your style as a broadcaster, as a presenter, um, mm. read lots, watch lots, um, take it all in. Because these are all the things that are going to help you. Going back to my last answer, when the opportunity comes, smash it out of the park. Yeah, so it's yeah, not yeah. rushing it. There's no rush. If you're good, the chances will come. You know I'm, yeah. I'm i'm mentoring someone a, a young lady called fadumo at the moment um who's making real good she gave me some good news yesterday about an opportunity that she's got at the moment but for the last three or four years i've been mentoring her i've seen the trajectory of her of her um of her journey and and she's smashing yeah. it but it all comes from just being patient see there's a i'm going to contradict myself now there's an element of <laughs> sister as well I think it's yeah, the kind of what, what I've learned is the kind of art of being patient whilst being persistent. And the two can coexist. So it's not actually a yeah. full contradiction. You can do this both at the same time. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. So it's about biding your time, but also showing that ambition, showing that energy, showing that hunger to want to do things and want to work, want to write. And the beautiful thing about, I say to all the people i mentor and talks that i do the beautiful thing about things like writing and photography and presenting is that now you don't need to wait to be commissioned <laughs> you don't yeah. have to wait for to, tell you <laughs> to write an article in arsenal you don't have to wait to write to help someone to tell you you can start up a podcast you've done it yourself who told you yeah who gave you who gave you permission to start up a podcast
0: well yeah exactly i just i, no. thought, <laughs> I woke up one day and because i I, I I wanted to start doing this years ago, um, mm. the end of the 14, 15 season. I remember speaking to a couple of my friends and I turned around and I said, right, at the end of the season, what we should do is like just get around a table. And like, I don't know what to do. just get my phone out and we'll, we'll just <laughs> chat about it. We'll have some newspapers and we'll do this and do that. And it never came around. And one of my friends, uh, Ross Sharp, he was starting to do a podcast and he was like, Oh Gab, can I interview you about refereeing? I was like, Yeah, that's fine. He turns up to my house with a phone. I was mm. like, So what how are we recording this? He was like, "I oh, just on here, mate. And I mm. my mind was blown because yeah. I thought you had to have all this big up equipment and totally. you know you had to have, you know, you know, licenses and this, that, and the other. He goes, No, yeah. literally press this and you put it on Spotify, and there it is. So totally. I was blown away. But then I, I think I think I, got only, I think I was a bit scared, if anything, because I didn't want to do it by myself. Yeah. I think that's what it was. And I ended up um, speaking to my good friend, Stephen Cotton. He used to work in the, the boozer across the road from where I worked. And I, I was mash-up. It was the beginning of the 18-19 season. And then um, mm. we went out on the, on the Saturday. Uh, no, he came over to my um, place after we finished work on the Saturday. And we would always have a few beers after work. I said to him, I was like, right, we're going to start a podcast. He was like, what? I was yeah, like, yeah, we're going to talk about the Premier League. And the following day, I walk into into his work. I was like, so what time are we doing this then? He goes, what? I was like, don't you remember the conversation from yesterday? He was like, oh, I thought you were just saying it because you were mashup. I was like, no, I'm yeah, being deadly serious, yeah. mate. Let's yeah. do it. And we, we started it and... It once again like it was literally just recorded on my phone I used to get um, a box and a pint glass and literally just lay, lean the phone against the pint glass and it was like hello and welcome to the premier league review show with me stephen cotton and me Gavin mcbarnie and that's really what it cool. was we didn't we didn't really have a structure or an idea or a design and you don't, we, you don't, we, need we you yeah, don't need to wait yeah need to wait anymore just get, just get on with it just do it <laughs> yeah and um, do you know what, Lock- lockdown, the original um, part of lockdown um, sort of changed it a little bit because we knew that we weren't going to be able to meet up. But just before lockdown was coming on, we discovered an app that allowed us to sit in the same room, but then not put graphics and stuff on the screen. And then mm. lockdown came and then, you know, everyone started doing it, which is annoying. But it's great because it sort of mm. like it inspires everyone to do it and yeah. used to get up and, and crack on. it's annoying because there's so many people out there doing it. It's true, it's true, but but if if you're good, you'll cut through. Yeah, exactly. And I don't feel, I don't feel like um, aggrieved by it. And what's the joy of having so many different people starting podcasts and that is the fact that I've been able to invite other podcasts onto the show or people have turned around and said, Gav, can you come on my podcast? Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like open up, there's this whole new world of a football podcast and it's like it's wow i know up. this person now. And i've met that person and you know the, the mad sports network i'm you know what um, the guy who uh, who the d is in this devo i've already known him since september okay and now we've created this network and we're about to move forwards in that and you know there are challenges in the way but they're they're inspiring challenges if if that makes sense because it makes mm-hmm. you want to strive for the next level and, you know, try and move forwards. But, you know, there's disappointment on the way with certain things. And what I would like to know is, you know, what what disappointment have you discovered on your on your journey to where you are? Hmm. Disappointments. I
1: mean, there's been opportunities and jobs that I wanted that I didn't get, jobs that I thought I should have got that I didn't get. Um hmm disappointments oh man that's a good question can't give any obvious ones
0: disappointments i think you don't have there to name be, it though i was gonna say you don't have to name the company or anything like that but like is there is there a role a specific role that you went for and you didn't get it and it sort of sort of yeah, screwed your two, brain a
1: little bit Two to come to mind but in in it's interesting because in hindsight looking back I probably wasn't ready for both of them at that stage. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I could have done a good job on both of the opportunities I'm thinking about right now. But uh, yeah, I probably wasn't ready. And, and and things happen for a reason. I'm a, I'm a big believer in energies and timings. And uh, mm-hmm. if you do something that you think you can do, that actually reality you can't do, you do it too soon, it can actually have a detrimental impact on your career it doesn't always you can mess up and then learn from that but actually sometimes doing something too soon can can kill your career um and can kill your confidence because you're doing you're getting that the most recent one I'm thinking of happened about a year ago about a year ago there was something that came up that I was in the running for well I think I was in the running for and (laughs) I didn't get it and I was gutted because it was Mm. it takes every box of what I thought my strengths were um I was really upset about it um but when I really thought about it kind of um you know kind of it'd be the neutral head on I thought to myself you know what to be fair Jordan the person that got that job I don't particularly rate that person at that job but that person Mm. is more experienced than I am and that person was always going to get that job um yeah what i did do though was make sure that i was like okay i can maybe accept that one i'm maybe a year or two too early for that job next time that comes up if i'm not in the, if i'm not just the, the favorite for that gig i'm gonna be fuming <laughs> i'm not gonna yeah, be yeah, at yeah. all um not not only with the company but with myself because i've now got an opportunity to put myself in a position to, I've got got a year, two years, maybe three years to do the work, to make sure that when that person moves on, I'm ready now. I, this time, I I think I've ready last time. I could have done it last time, but this time I'm definitely ready. Do you know what I mean? So I think disappointments would be just kind of opportunities that I I didn't get, which I thought I should have got. But like Mm -hmm.
0: I say, looking back, the, the right decision was probably made in the end. Mm. how do you feel that affected you mentally so you seem like a very positive person it's like hmm. well you know that happened you know yeah of course I'm allowed to be annoyed about it but I'll just need to make sure I'll graft and crack on you know you, know, have you is... always had that mental strength
1: yes and you know why because it goes to your first question earlier today about me being so busy I think because I've got so many th- great things going on at the same time I've got mm. projects here i've got shows there i'm doing this with this person it me it, it softens the blow a little bit i think it's worse if your whole working life or your whole your whole being you put everything into this one thing that yeah. one thing doesn't happen and then you're like oh i've got nothing nothing else really going on but because yeah. i had so much else going on it softened the blow of okay this one great thing didn't happen but I've got five other great things happening that I can put my energy and distract me with as well. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think it'd have been a lot. I'd have been a lot more. I wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't have been able to think, rationalize not getting that gig, had I not had other things going on. If that was, if mm-hmm. if my whole working up to that thing was that one thing, I'd probably still be fuming now because I'd have time yeah. to think about it and spew over it. Whereas, because I've got other things, so many things going on, I could just. Compartmentalize that and park it, and be like, okay, that thing didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Cool. Your time. Focus now on these other things over here that are happening,
0: and put your energies into that. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Yeah. It's just like you know, fingers in pies, pretty much. You, you know, you is, 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 is sort of way, way of going around it rather than putting all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. And uh, you know what? I, I see that. I see that quite a bit. You know, my my day job is in in recruitment, engineering, mm-hmm. recruitment, and you know, I'm speaking to candidates all the time and I'm not always able to get everyone a job, you know, so mm. it, but at the same time, it's it's weird because I want everybody that is applying for my job or everyone I speak to to only be focused on my job, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, yes. but I want them to get it. And if they don't get it, I sort of feel responsible for it, but I'll always hope that they are able to find something. But you mentioned earlier on about networking and things like that. You mm. know, I've been able to, you know, if you go on my LinkedIn, it's like 70% – well, yeah, 70% is my day job and 30% is my pod job. And of that 70%, it's half and half candidate and agency. And it's like, well, okay, uh, if this person can't get the job, then I'll I'll speak to that agency. It's like, look, I've just spoken yeah. to, to Jordan. Jordan's sick at his job. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get a job at my place, but can you have a, have a word here? So, you know, yeah. it's all – it's all networking it's all making sure everyone knows each other and I and i, and sure. I kind of dig that um one of the um, one of the eggs that you've got is uh, channel four that's the first time i ever actually saw you on on channel yeah. four and it was so nice as a young well, i say young i'm not young i still get id'd <laughs> which is cool um <laughs> as a relatively young black man um seeing a black guy on the television it inspires me and it's not Trevor McDonald. I mean, or Mm. Stewart. they're the only two black faces that we used to see on on news when we were younger. And now we're seeing a lot more diversity, which Mm. I think is so important, especially to me. Um, especially when I think of my daughter, she's only five months now, but she's mixed race and what opportunities will be happening for her in 10, 15, 20, 25 years time. Mm. Um, do you like, when when you are on these publications, Antoine Allen as well. Um, you know, he's a he's a good panama. I've known I can Antoine since right school. now. I'm looking at can I'm looking you at actually him right t- a t- Tell him you speaking to stand there. If you can see <laughs> him, tell him you're speaking to Gav Mac. I literally I've known him since lower school. He's on the he's, he's
1: on the floor below me. I'm on the balcony area, but I can I can see him right now. <laughs> him, can't <laughs> there you can't see me, but I can see him.
0: <laughs> there you go. That's mad. Honestly, I've I've known yeah, literally, I've known him for more than my life (laughs) it's madness but like seeing someone like him yeah definitely and always make sure his tie is on point as well like (laughs) he does the sickest tie knots of all time but young black people and not even just young black people just black people as a whole it's so important for us to see alternative faces on the screen you know it doesn't mean that we only want to see black people on the screen i want to see white people i want to see asian people i want to see American people. I want to see people from all over the all over the shop. So, um, when you are on Channel Four, do you feel like I'm Jordan? I'm representing Black people, or do I feel like I'm Jordan? I'm trying to open up doors, or you know, what what sort of what's your perception of of that? I often I often think about this question because whilst I
1: think I don't purposely think about the fact that. There's lots of young black boys and girls watching me on TV. I've just got to do my job, be good at my job, and then mm. that will be the standard bearer for other black broadcasters to come through. I say that, but what I've started doing in the last two last two years, whenever I present the news, the noon, um, what I do now is I will, um, I will purposely take down my locks, or if I kind of put my locks back, I'll purposely not take out my locks, but I'll put the locks and I'll kind of frame them on my shoulder. And I do that now deliberately because I want black boys and girls to see that you can present a national news programme and have dreadlocks. How many dreadlocks, you know, women, you know, present the news, there's more and more now coming through, but there's still not enough. And I think it's important that your daughter and my friends' daughters and sons see that when they
0: watch the news, they're gonna see. So, oh right, my mum's got camera. Oh right, my mum's yeah, yeah, yeah. got dreadlocks.
1: Oh right. We because... weren't allowed
0: to have longer than number two haircut in school. Like, go, there... the, the, like the, the white kids could have long hair as they like, but black people, the black kids, they had to have like it was no longer their number two. My mum, my think... mum, she's actually in the room next door, and she would just like just just cut my hair with clippers straight up, just. Mm yeah you know just make sure i go to school no shape up or anything no offense but i, I think you know i think i think it, <laughs> i, think it's, I yeah,
1: gotta have a shape up man um, i, I think i think it's important though the visualization of seeing black people and different types of black people on screen some of us have dreadlocks yeah. some of us have bald heads some of us have a number mm-hmm. one some of us have um bigger lips some of us have um Darker skin, that's another thing as well. I think it's important to not only see people with different types of hairstyles that we have yeah. in our community, but to see dark skinned, you yeah. know what I mean? Black men and women presenting mm. programs on the news programs here. So so whilst I always say, no, 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 I don't feel like I'm carrying the race of, on my shoulders and the pressure, I say that, but subconsciously, I must do because I'm very conscious that when I'm presenting and working, it's not on the forefront of my mind. My forefront of my mind is I'm delivering the news or I've got a report to do. But somewhere in the back of my mind, it's definitely pertinent. That I'm conscious that there are black boys and girls watching me, and I want to put, I want to leave them a good impression because I yeah. want them to be not only inspired. That oh, rah. I get, I get tweets and texts all the time from people saying, "I just saw you on the news." They take a screen grab. It's really good seeing you, black boy, dark boy, dreadlock. So I get that all the time. But also, what's mm. important is not only representation also important about standards and quality there's no yes. point having lots of dark-skinned black boys in the news if they're crap
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so, the, so, yeah. so, so representation is very important for the visualization of seeing different types of people as you mentioned but what's also important is those people are good we need good black boys on tv not just black boys on tv we need good mm-hmm. black women presenting programs but if they're crap they're crap what's the point <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah, so yeah, while yeah. i'm conscious of been seen by young black boys and girls i'm more conscious i'm more focused on just be good just do a good job because if you're not good you won't be there for long anyway
0: yeah yeah it get found out pretty quickly for definite yeah. um with yeah no, no no that's no that's really good i'll rate that i'll rate that a lot um what um what advice would you give to uh not just not just um young black people but like people that are looking to to get into into the industry like what what advice would you turn around and say these are say the, making... the, like two or three got like, fundamental um elements
1: so um what I would say is a quick plug. Um, I'm saying to you before I start recording, if you go to blackademic.com, you'll get some great advice from some professionals Ooh. across a whole host of um, industries, including TV. Um, my personal advice, I mean, I, I could give you 20 bits of advice, but the main one I would say is stop making excuses and get the work done. Too many people make excuses. Too, I can't do this because of this one. I can't do that. Stop making excuses. Do the. If, if this is what you want to do, if you want to be a journalist, if you want to be a broadcaster, if you want to go into radio or be a podcaster, okay, cool, you just decided that. Now go and get it done. The time is now. It's never been easier to, to, to have a career as a writer or a broadcaster. So um, I would say stop making excuses and get the work done do you know what i mean Mm. too many people i I don't i don't i don't want to hear excuses when i was coming through there was no youtube there was no blogging vlogging (laughs) there was no (laughs) podcast you know what i mean to to my earlier point earlier one you had to wait to be commissioned someone had to say to you jordan do you want to or can you write an article about xyz and then you go off and write the article whereas now i can write about whatever i want and be my own publisher because I've got yeah, my own, I can have my own website on my own Twitter page. I, and that also accessibility to people like myself. You think there was there was no LinkedIn ten years ago, fifteen years ago? Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't message or tweet or Instagram DM a, a Sky Sports news presenter or Channel Four news. I couldn't do that ten years ago. You had to email people, and even then, you were getting no responses. If you did, you were lucky. So mm. I don't want to hear no excuses from people that want to do this but aren't making traction. Now is the easiest time easiest time to break into this industry because all the tools are there the accessibility is also there as well and and just to add to that finally as well um i I had another point to make i've gone i had a brain fart i was also (laughs) going to say um oh yeah i was going to say do not be afraid to make mistakes yeah mistakes i always tell i always tell people if you want to be a broadcaster whether it's radio podcast tv youtube you can now, I'm using my phone to do this broadcast here. Everyone's got yeah. a camera on their phone. Practice, 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 but don't be afraid to put out your rubbish broadcasts. People are always like deleting their crap ones to put out what they think are their best ones. And I, I, and I get why. <laughs> Just, yeah, and, and, and I get why, I do get why. But I think it's important to also put out your, your crap ones because whilst I understand the vanity, not wanting people to see you at your worst kicks in we've all got we've all got an ego i get it yeah i think the two reasons why i encourage people to put out their worst broadcasts are one because you have something to practice and learn from and improve on Mm. because you will look back on that clip you did six weeks ago and be like oh but this one is better and that leads to my second point which is people like to see growth People like mm-hmm. to see growth. So over a year, two years, three years, people in following your whole journey where the first one, the lighting was awful. The sound was mm-hmm. crap. The framing of the camera was really shoddy. So three years later now, and three years goes quick, you know? Three years goes it does. quick three years later you've got a fancy studio and you've got nice lights and you've got a crew and people with you that are working with you people exactly like i to gotta to press to buttons myself
0: now someone's doing it for me exactly. that'd be great <laughs> exactly
1: exactly so don't don't be scared to be vulnerable and and let people see your worst stuff because once it's out there it's out there you're not saying this is my best work you're saying that this is my work and i'm gonna learn and improve and and and, and build upon that sort of thing so i would say Stop making excuses, get the job done, and don't be afraid to expose yourself by letting people see the errors that you've made.
0: Yeah, nice. I mean, I do go back and, you know, I don't know how much Facebook presence you have, but on my Facebook, just um, it comes through with, on this day, the memories and stuff. And it's a show from three years ago or two, well, two years ago, because I started it three years in September. And it it will be a show from a couple of years ago, and I'm like, oh, Gav, what are you doing, man? <laughs> but, 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 but
1: it's But what's the overarching feeling you feel from that? It's growth. It's growth. Yeah, 100%. Like, oh, you're like, oh, three years ago, that was awful. And it probably was awful, but you've learned and you've improved and you've got better. Mm. That's what's more important than the actual crap video you put out three years ago, because you're look back on this video right now in three years' time, and you'll you'll be like, oh... That interview with Jordan Jarrett Bryan—that was awful. That's dead, because fun. you've grown. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you've grown. So that would be my advice.
0: Well, hopefully, in a couple of years' time, we'll be in the studio together, talking, uh, there you like, go. doing this sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? So there if look you look at I'll it oh, that it way, I think I will so
1: show you how far you've come.
0: Yeah, just before we go along. you, so, Gav, look at you. You look like shit. Exactly. Um so um blackademic.com. Now if you're listening to this, um this will be in the comments um underneath in the in that bit. If not, if you're watching it, well you can see it on the screen now. So um that's yes, that bit there. Um you, Jordan, you are a medalist, are you not? Junior European yeah, wheelchair basketball champion.
1: Yeah. So back in a former life I used to play uh wheelchair basketball. Mm-hmm. Play played for about twenty one years. Um so I got into wheelchair basketball about thirteen years old. Um sorry, but just brief backstory, because people are kinda of wondering why wheelchair basketball. So I was born with um a deformed foot. My right foot mm-hmm. was, it wasn't it wasn't Form properly. So when I came out, I had my right leg was slightly shorter than the left one. I had three toes on my right leg, and when I was eighteen months years old, my parents had the option; they didn't have to, but they were given the option of either leaving it as it was, and I could have like mm-hmm. calipers and crutches, but I'd be kind of like walking like that. Um, yeah, people listening can't see that, but I'd be I'd be imbalanced, <laughs> and I I, I, would, I would um yeah. I would I wouldn't be balanced basically. Um, or I could amputate my foot from the ankle down and have prosthetic mm-hmm. legs. That was the decision that was taken. It was the b- best decision of the two. Um, so I have a disability and have had prosthetic legs and will have prosthetic for the rest of my life, which is fine. People yeah. don't know it until I tell them because they can't see the difference. So, mm-hmm. so I, but I was playing football uh, from the age of about, well, uh, I'd say about 9 to f- 13, 9 to wow. 12. Um, and the, the fourth season, my coach told my mum, We can't sign him. We can't register him for next season. So, why not? He said, Because of health and safety. He's got a prosthetic leg. If he goes to tackle someone, he could break their leg, which is which, is, which all is true and valid. Um, but yeah, totally but... fair. So, I, I, I was gutted. Uh, I said to my mum, I want to continue playing sports. Can you find me a sport to get into? She mm. came back to me and said, "You know, I uh, found these guys in Hackney. They play wheelchair basketball." I was like, "What? Nah, man, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not on that." But um, I went well, that, along. That sport's brutal, man. Oh man, it's the it's the best sport in the world. It's so much fun. Um, I hated it at first. When I first went, I hated it. Went back, hated it. Went back, hated it. Went back. <laughs> and then what? What made me? What made me? What made the dial turn for me was I got good very quickly. So when you're building, right. that all helps. Even if you don't like yeah, it, so good at it. It's like, okay, I'm, I don't like this, but I'm good at it. So Darts, cool.
0: that's me. That's my that you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, bit of me. Um, no. a bit like I had to move it out the way. Uh, um, I can see. I can see. Uh, yeah. So to see the show, yeah. <laughs> There's going to be a dart show on MAD as well, by the way. Little plug. Anyway. Um, <laughs> no, yeah. Um, oh, I so, see what so, you yeah. mean. Yeah, and then I, I kind of got good at it quickly, and then I kind of got to the, the GB
1: junior team. Where I played nice. for eight years and we won, yeah, won a couple of European championships, lost um, one world championships. Um, but yeah, one won two Euros. And yeah, been I stopped I played professionally actually for four years, five years in Italy, um, which was great. Lived out there for five years. was amazing. Big sport out there. Um, not so much now, but it was then. Um yeah, and, and wheelchair basketball was a big part of my life, loved it.
0: Awesome, awesome. Because you um you did some commentary on the Paralympics in 2012 as well, did you not? Yes, that was all. That
1: was really funny because I actually quit playing wheelchair basketball for Great Britain at junior level when I had to decide whether, when, once you leave the juniors, juniors at 23 years old, you then, as a football, mm-hmm. the natural then, progression is then to the senior team. But yeah. that's a full-time gig. And I was writing and doing journalism at this point. So I had to decide if I want to pursue wheelchair basketball professionally, get paid for it now, Mm-hmm. And do that full time, although I want to continue and go into, into media? And I chose media. And what was really, really a bit, of, not a bit of sweet, what was really nice kind of circumference was my first proper TV gig as a broadcaster was covering the men's wheelchair basketball team at the 2012 Paralympic Games. Oh, half that's team, so sick. half of that team <laughs> was a team that I played with four years earlier and left. At the oh, junior side. that's So mad. it was really nice, kind of like. I suppose not vindication, but it was. It made me realize that I'd made the right decision in pursuing yeah. media rather than 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 basketball because it was nice. My first gig was reporting on TV on the guys that and I, I that knew you know. I know these yeah. are friends. You know what I mean? That's um, nice. So Twenty twelve was a really good year because it was my first, yeah, first TV proper TV gig.
0: Yeah, i um, we'll rate that a yeah. lot, man rate that a lot and um yeah we're coming to, we're coming towards the end of it uh end of our chat so i really appreciate uh you taking the time out of your day john i really do so before we get to the end let's talk about the arsenal for a moment um it's going so well uh, it, it i know i know we could cut this bit out um <laughs> arsenal right i've got my i've got my opinions on the arsenal like from this season last season and over the last x amount of time Mm. Um, first of all if we go sort of like dip into a bit of history um, when like were you ever like a venger in venger out you know where or if you did go out when when was your when was your turning point so my I remember I remember the point I
1: remember the exact point where I'd for for the first time having heard lots of my friends and family saying venger out for two three years before me the Day when I turned on him was I've forgotten the year, but we had a league cup game. I don't know if you remember it, it was against Reading and it finished 7 5 12 13 season, it was, it was that or 11, May,
0: 12 11 12 season. Yeah, no, I think 12. it was before that. I think it was before 13, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, uh, well, um, it I was think it, it would have it been it would have been after 2012, well, from 2012 onwards, because Oli Giroux was playing in that game, yeah. And... I remember going to his debut in like like when I got back from Berlin in 2012.
1: Okay. Well, I, I, for about 18 months, was kind of on. There's your baby in the background. I can hear
0: it. Yeah, that's that's my daughter. Yeah, (laughs) she's having. (laughs) Um,
1: I, I was, I was kind of on the fence for about 18 months about Venga. I was like, nah, it's not going well, but I don't want to save Venga out. But that was the first time I was like, he's got to go. And what happened was we were three nil down I think after thirty minutes. I yeah. think we were two nil down after like twelve minutes. And then Theon yeah. Walcott scored bang one half time. And I remember I yeah. said to my friend Abby, I never forget this conversation I said to him, Abby, whatever happens in this game, whether we come back and win it or lose it, whatever happens, he's got to go. This is unacceptable. <laughs> he's got to go. Um and we ended up coming back and winning the game. But it' didn't the result was, Seven wasn't five really in the end, right? <laughs> yeah. But the, the result wasn't really was important, important to me. It was the fact that we were losing 3-0 at half time or just before half time to a championship team. It was humiliating. And yeah, that was the first time. So I think when what, what year did he leave? He left was it three years ago. Twenty eighteen, so, yeah. End of the so 17, 20, 18 season. So so twenty twelve to eighteen. That's six years. So I was mm. saying um I was saying for
0: over five years they're out do you know what i mean um my runs deeper like a... it was deeper than that um Four. because we won the title in 04 mm. and i remember his post-match at white art lane saying mm-hmm. i've got a plan for us to be the best team in europe in five years i've got a five-year plan yeah so when we weren't that was me done i actually wanted him out 07 08 because we were that was our title, as far as I was concerned. That was the year yeah, that Eduardo yeah. got injured, that was our title, and we and, and we fluffed our lines. And from yeah. that moment, I was like, "Well, he said one more year. He said he said five years. So if we do something next year, then that allows him more time." We came fourth. Um, we got pumped in the in the Champions League semi final against United. We would have got battered by that Barcelona side anyway. Let's be real. Mm, but mm. it's just the fact that you you done that and you know, playing players that you shouldn't be playing and Almunia was still like number one and things like that. I just, I weren't feeling it at all, but I'll try, i try and be optimistic about the future. But at the same time, I apologise to my, my little brother who I forced to be an Arsenal fan. I apologise to my daughter already. So mm-hmm. I'm really hoping that, you know, at this stage, should we, you know, we're in a transition and we need time. Arteta, he might be the right person. I personally wanted someone with more experience, but if he is the guy that is in charge, then we have to honor that and just hope hope for hope for something something going forwards in the next two three years. I reckon.
1: Well, well I wanted I wanted Arteta. I'm the opposite. I didn't want an experienced person. I wanted someone that was new, young, um, with new ideas and with a new energy. Twenty three years or I I I didn't buy the whole. Need an experienced manager. I get the logic behind getting some experience, but mm. those is experienced. How else well is he doing? Yeah, so experience yeah. doesn't necessarily mean you're going to do a good job. Um, I wanted Arteta after Wenger, i want the three people mm. on the planet that wanted Arteta when Wenger left, yeah. And he was he, 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 the the he had the job,
0: yeah. yeah. I sort yeah. of said the same. It's like, right, like if you need, oh, I, we need him now. Well, i said if we were mm. ever going to get him get him now mm.
1: Mm. i i i i wanted him then and I, it was a risk and it, it still is a risk and i get why people thought i was crazy but i thought that regner had taken us to pretty much rock bottom and yes people would say the 10th now so there wasn't rock bottom but for me <laughs> once you fall once you're once you're a supposedly a big club and you've like got the top four whether you finish mm. sixth, seventh, or tenth for me <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. It's all yeah, for school. real. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't really <laughs> matter to me. So I think when you're when you when you're at rock bottom and when Vayner left us, we were at rock bottom for me. You might as well gamble. You've got nothing to lose. Yeah. So you might as well gamble. And Arteta was a gamble in that sense. And some will say it's slowly coming, they're seeing it paying dividends. Some are saying being tenth, even with this squad is unacceptable. I see both sides mm-hmm. of the argument. But I think that yeah. this is this is not about just changing. It's not about just changing the personnel and improving the personnel. We need that as well. And that process has started with the likes of Mustafi, Ozil, etc. leaving. Uh, this is yeah, bigger yeah, than yeah. that. This is about changing the culture of Arsenal Football Club. And it's interesting mm-hmm. with the North London derby that when this has been recorded, that was just a few days ago, the whole thing around bamyan being dropped and a lot of Arsenal fans yeah. saying, he shouldn't have been dropped or we wouldn't be saying this if we lost the game. I personally think they took the right stance because you can't, if you're going to lay down standards, you have to lay down standards that play into a bigger culture change. And it might yeah. sound like a minor thing being late two or three times, but it says a lot. I bet you any money, Kevin De Bruyne is not late for training or for games. No, not even training, yeah. you, you know, games. Professional. I, bet you, yeah. I bet you any money Roy Keane was never late for games. And if it's once, okay, we're humans. You can give someone a blind but once. happens traffic happens. You get, you get one strike but I'm sorry, when it, when I'm hearing it's, it's multiple times, and there are other little small things that show not great professionalism. I think Arteta, I would have sacrificed the North London Derby win for standards and discipline. If it meant a yeah. year, couldn't play in that game, then so be it. So I'm not one of these people saying, are you only really saying that now because we won the game? It's like, no. I think no, the result wasn't really important to me at that point. What's important is that we've got a manager that's trying to lay down some standards and change mm-hmm. the culture of the club that are losers. There's a loserism that seeps through Arsenal that Venga yeah. allowed to seep in, that Emery couldn't address, that Arteta's trying to address. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's more than just getting better players and playing football and winning, be, winning, beating Spurs 2-1. It's about a man that's trying to
0: change the club, not the team. Yeah, I rate that a lot. And, you know, I, I, look, I look at certain aspects of Arsenal Football Club and I, I do see A brighter future i really do but when you're going through it every day and your power support clubs that are above you it's very difficult
1: (laughs) it is is. but 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 here's the thing you 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 won't find a bigger Arteta supporter than 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 me anywhere you just won't um however i'm not blinded by it he's not my mate my brother my my boyfriend my i don't i don't know this don so if he's not if he does if he doesn't do his job properly then I'll be the first one to say Arteta out, but he has to start this this year is a write off in terms so of domestically whether we finish yeah. 10th 9th 8th I personally think it'll be a blessing in disguise if we finish out of the european places and next year have a free run trying to break said into the top this. 6 but
0: I said but, this but, but here's the yeah. thing That's
1: the whole if, point. if 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 I, I, I if i'm backing Arteta 100% but if we don't finish this season even not winning the Europa League, but finishing the season strong in the Europa League, I think what he's doing mm. is he's giving himself massive pressure for the start of next season. Because while I'm backing Arteta 100%, he has to start... 10th is not acceptable. Ninth is not acceptable for Arsenal. So no. he, he he's basically make, making supporters of him, like me, say, OK, cool, I'll give you this season. I'll give you a blight this year. Uh, Okay, I'll kind of give you a blight, but the first six games of next season, you better hit the ground running quick. Because yeah. forget getting till Christmas. If in that first ten games of the season, I'm not seeing vast improvements, mm-hmm. believe me, I will be on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I will be on Twitter.
0: And the fans will be back as well, and it won't be easy for him. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I, I um, I went down to Arsenal, Crystal Palace. Not this season, season before, obviously. We're well, not this season because not being any fans there, has there? But um, I saw I saw the guys from AFTV and um I was I was chatting I was chatting to Robbie and I said to him, Do you think this season, as in last season, mm. we should finish, it would be a benefit for us finishing outside. And I got cast out for being anti-Arsenal. And it's like, no, it's not the case. I mean, like, if we look at Chelsea um a couple of years back, when Chelsea um finished outside of Europe. They had the full season, no distractions, so to speak, and they went on. A, they won the title. Now I'm not saying that Arsenal are going to go on and win the title because I really, I, I highly doubt that. There are there are two, three, four teams that are better than us right now on paper. Um, but what I want to see is Arsenal just to have focus, be fully fit week in week out don't want to be travelling to Kazakhstan on Thursday and then coming back for a Sunday lunchtime kickoff and things like that. I don't want to be seeing that. I just want to... And then, you know, we could play more fringy sort of players in the League Cup, there's, you know, there's, play there's, a stronger team in the FA Cup. There's two things. The, the, the first thing is, I don't think
1: we have the depth of squad to really go hard domestically and in Europe. We just we don't have that squad, I don't think, mm. that depth. I don't think we do. But secondly, we have to remember, this is not Nikola Teta is not the new Arsenal manager. He's new to management full stop. So I don't yeah. think it's fair on him to be able to, in your first gig, you've got to navigate. Now, he took the job. So, hey, you've got to you take the job, take the money. You've got to deal with what comes with that. I, 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 fair yeah. enough. But I think that he it could be a blessing in disguise for him as well. To For me, he's a coach. Mikel Teta is a coach. And I think when you mm-hmm. have two games a week, you don't get the chance to really coach. Your your team because you've got a game every three days.
0: So I yeah, think
1: one game a week for the majority of the season, flinging FA Cup, League up here and there. But one game a week, I think personally, would benefit him because he can get his hands on a um, millsmith Millsmither. He can get his hands on Saka. He can get his hands on players and really coach them better. That's why I think his strengths yeah. are. So I think I just think being out of Europe next season could be a blessing in disguise for us. And I think that. In a way, I kind of rope that but I don't trust the boards to back him not for to give him, him. the players he needs to be able to compete. There's no point being in the the Champions League is always like this thing. I said to my Arsenal friends, "What's the point in being in the dance when you ain't checking out? Yeah, no point yeah, being yeah. In a dance, if you're not talking to no girls or dancing, what's the point?
0: Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. But we're
1: not into it. To we're compete. not talking to no
0: one. Hmm." Yeah, enter to, to compete, not just to, to make the numbers. Just to and that's be what there. I'm worried about. Yeah. So. so, yeah. No, for real. I can chat about Arsenal all day and all night, Same. I swear to God. Same. But, um, yeah. Like, we might have to, we might have to uh, get a, get an Arsenal chat going or something like that. But, Jordan, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, no, being mate, able to interview really you. really really has. No, was, I'm glad. And um, your website, once again, um, blackademic.com. Check it out, guys. Just let, the, yeah, let, let them know. And... It's, it's... Um,
1: Mm. So, it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a website I started a couple of years back. It's, we have discussions, we have shows. We've got so much content of brand new shows that I've got commissioned, well, commissioned myself, uh, coming out of the next kind of couple of months. So um, we have a new membership form there as well, which is free. Well, there's one that's free, one that's £5 a month. But if you haven't got £5 a month, there's a free one. Uh, check it outside, check out all the content. I'm um, across all the socials as well, Twitter, um, Instagram uh, LinkedIn and,
0: uh, Facebook. So go find us, check us out. Enjoy the fun. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. So yeah, that will all be in the descriptions. So you'll be able to find that. But once again, thank you so much for this mm. chat and, um, yeah, make sure you subscribe to our channel as well. Um, MAD sports network on, uh, on YouTube and there's a Facebook group as well. And if you didn't know already, if you put MAD sports network into Google, our name comes up first. So thank you very much, everybody, and all the best. Take care.